Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So we're heading into that autumnal, I think I said that right, uh, season of 2022. We've been riffing all year on the word reemergence. And so for October, the word is celebrate. Now I'm going to tell you what celebrate means. and then we'll go from there. So to celebrate means to observe or commemorate with a ceremony, to proclaim, make publicly known, to praise wisely and widely, to solemnize or honor. Now, it's it's just fascinating to me how these uh, titles per month have just opened up because my son, my only son is getting married this month of October and we're celebrating. So what better thing than that, you know, to proclaim widely and make it a solemn event and honor my son and his fiance Bianca. So, wow, celebrate. So I want to ask you a question then. How are you celebrating in your daily life? Are you celebrating yourself? Right? Do we ever celebrate ourselves or we just go through the day and get up and go to bed and, you know, go through the day? But what are some small things you could do on a regular basis, I suggest daily, to celebrate yourself? Um, For me, I light a candle. I light a candle every morning and uh, and then I meditate. And that's part of how I honor, solemnize, celebrate myself. Um, so how do you do that? What is it that you do? Do some people walk every day? Do you honor yourself? Do you celebrate yourself by walking every day? So what is one thing you could do for the month of October where you celebrate yourself and then see how that radiates out to other people in celebration? Enjoy our shows. So I have, I have this really lovely woman that we're about to have a conversation with and, um, she, the title of her book caught me and I had to sit down with it because I know I have a daily do about feeling enough and valued and worth it. And, and my personal journey has been about finding my own way to love myself and respect myself. So the title of her book just drew me up and I was like, okay, we have to have a conversation. So I want to welcome Carrie Severson. The book is called Unapologetically Enough, Reshaping Success and Self-Love. Carrie, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So So the enough word, usually it's the empower word that, you know, makes me go, Oh, I want to talk to this person, but this enough word. And I think this book came to me when I was in a, going into a dip, you know, okay, <laughs> right. We, when we it find happens. ourselves yep. and we love ourselves, it doesn't mean that we don't ever dip into, Oh my goodness. I I'm not enough or right. I don't love myself. 
so why why did you choose this title first of all and then let's get into a bit of the story so the title actually uh has a story in itself because uh i when i was experiencing burnout years ago the word enough was a four-letter word for me and i banned it from my vocabulary i thought it was like you know nothing but brought me lack and i had a lot of negativity around it and when I was working with my editor, Danielle, who's brilliant and beautiful, and I trust her so, so deeply. Uh, at the time, the title of my book was like, I don't know, something called, I, I was like, let's just say meeting myself and just put a to be determined title. And one day I get a message from Danielle and she's like, Carrie, your title, this is not your title. Your title is unapologetically enough. And She's like, I don't know why you have resistance to this. You just need to do the work and accept it. And when she said it to me, I had an immediate reaction. Uh, all of the fear came up, all of the like things that happen to you when you know you're going in the right direction, but you don't want to go in the, that direction because you have a ton of work to do. <laughs> right. All of that stuff came up and um, I shut my computer down. I think I threw my phone across the room and I like went into the fetal position on the couch and had a cry for like a good 20 minutes. Yeah. And then called one of my girlfriends, who's uh, one of my, you know, spiritual gurus that I turn to when I need a fix. And I'm like, my editor wants to call my book unapologetically enough. And all she sent me back was the angel emoji. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm like, what's this? What, what do I do with this? Uh, so I went and down this hole of researching the definition of enough and the synonyms. And the first word that came to me at this point in my life was the term abundant. Ah, Versus years ago, when I looked at it, I saw it as something of lack. So unapologetically enough really fits where I am in my life, fits what I've been through in my life. I think I fit, I think it fits women where we are as a collective right now. And uh, it felt like the perfect thing at the right time. You, you know, I think that is what, what, uh, what hooked me is what you just said of, um, it, it fits the women yeah. of today right now and where we are because so many are for whatever reason, speaking up, standing mm -hmm. up saying, this is it. And, and also saying enough, yeah. right. Yeah. But in a different, not, uh, no, yes, I'm enough, but enough of whatever else was going on, going on. up yep. until now for eons, right? Yep. So it's changing, it's shifting. I see it every day. I see it every day. I see it in marketing materials about not, you know, wanting to change your financial um, situation uh, enough about wanting to change policies around X, Y, and Z. It's in the, it's in everywhere. Yeah. Um, and when I, I'm a COVID bride. And when I started playing with my designer around the, the book cover, I sent her a picture of my wedding dress and my wedding dress was rose gold sequins. And so oh, she, I love that. that's why the term enough is pink and sparkly. It's, oh it's, my goodness. I have chills. I love that. Around my wedding dress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you work with rose gold energy? Um, I, I have for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, years ago when I first started, lots of years ago, Carrie, um, when I first started, I, you know, the whole thing was work with a white light, yeah, white light. And uh, about when I was 
coming out of my divorce about 10 years ago, this rose colored rose gold light Mm -hmm. started to infuse everything. And that's, that's what I use now. I use it when I work with clients. Um, it, it has a lot more, uh, alchemic, um, ability to transmute things, I think, than white light. White light does a different job. Yeah. For me, it was, um, rose gold was something it's an, an, I talk about it actually in the book and there is an exercise in the back of the book. It's when I went through, I did two rounds of IVF. They both failed and I, but say what is IVF when we, um, uh, fertility preservation. I don't know what it's, um, in vitro fertilization, I think. Okay. I try to freeze embryos and eggs Mm -hmm. and they, that didn't work. Uh, I wound up very sick, uh, shortly after that procedure and my body just needed, uh, a lot of healing. And Mm -hmm. at the worst of it, I was, I was in a lot of pain and I spent a lot of time in bed. And at some point I say that the only thing that really moved without pain were my eyeballs. No. (laughs) And I would picture like scanning my body, uh, with, and I would picture rose gold light coming down and scanning my body and like touching all of the cells. And I, it was like champagne bubbles, like just loving on my cells. And that was how I would practice self-love at the worst of, at the worst of it, you know, when I was healing my body from the inside out. Um, and it's been something that has just sort of stuck with me since whenever I feel like I need an extra boost of love and internally, I picture myself in a rose gold bubble. I God, I do that all the time. I do that for protection when I leave my house as well. But I love the idea of the champagne bubbles fizzing yeah. through everything. And that's just I, my whole body's electrifying right now as you're oh, as, cool. we're, as we're talking about that. <laughs> um, so then we just kind of did a big we started here and we jumped over here. I know. Sorry. So um so getting back to uh because the second half is um, reshaping yeah. success and self-love. That's your, your slug mm-hmm. line of your book. Mm-hmm. So what did, what did you need to reshape in terms of success for yourself? And then what did you need to reshape in terms of loving yourself? Um, so for success, I became an entrepreneur in 2011 by launching a bullying solutions organization for young girls. And it was... Uh, just as girl-on-girl bullying was sort of bubbling. Mm -hmm. And my little one-man person organization was just sort of catapulted onto the spotlight stage pretty quickly. And I was up on, you know, being put on pedestals, on stages, on TV shows, uh, all over the country, and always being compared to huge organizations that have been doing this for a long time, have a ton of capital, have a ton of money. Uh, I was always in the same pod as like hospitals that were saving babies and organizations that were supporting women coming, you know, out of domestic violence situations or cancer. And I couldn't come. I couldn't like compete with them because I have one person shop. And uh, at the time bullying was more of a um, an afterthought, even though it was always being talked about, it was never something that uh, organizations were really interested in giving money to because they wanted money to go to the hospitals and other organizations. 
Um, but yet I was the person that they called when they had airtime to fill. I was the person they would call when something happened on Capitol Hill, they needed sound bites. And so for me, success meant accolades, it meant money, it meant recognition. And as a result, I was always chasing something that I could never, ever feel fulfilled with. Mm -hmm. And I really needed to shift that, reshape what the concept of success meant for me. So I felt seen, validated enough. Um, So I moved it out of the space of an external thing and into the space of a feeling that I wanted to have that day. Okay. So, so let's extrapolate on that. The feeling that you want. So you, this was becoming a, a, a an awareness practice mm-hmm. on a daily basis of yeah. instead of what, what is outside of me that I'm going to have to grapple with? How am I going to instill my day? Yeah. With, yeah. And so what were the, like, what are, what's, Give everybody a, a, a short list, short list of um, feeling tones. So uh, happy. Um, that was the big one for me at the time. Actually, it was like, what, what's on my happy list? Mm-hmm. How can I, how can I feel content with myself today? Um, and I would give myself just like three things that I felt were going to help me reach that feeling. If Okay. So, yeah. so not just the words, then you had it to do. Yeah. An action item. Okay. Yep. Inspired action that would make me feel this. And it typically involved um, for sure something physical, like dance class. I, I was always happy when I was dancing, moving my body to music, whatever it was. And at the time when I was recovering through burnout, Zumba was really popular. And so I was like, uh, if I can go to a Zumba class today, that would make me feel happy. That would, I would be feel successful that day. So it always involves something physical. It typically involves something personal. And it was like one action item that I really had to do professionally. That sounds smart. So it sounds like what, instead of tackling everything, and like you just mentioned, this happened after you hit burnout, instead of tackling Mm -hmm. everything, like so many of us tend to do, you distilled it down to small bites. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It had to, because I was working around the clock and running after things that um, I was always, you know, feeling let down by. And uh, so to shift gears, I took my, I did what I could to, I hired like V, you know, VAs at the time, assigned a ton of stuff for my business to board members. So uh, I flipped my business model actually. So it wasn't just like, I, you know, chucked it to down to three things. There was a lot that went into it, but um, I, we flipped our business model so that I wasn't in the center of it anymore. I was simply uh, just a spoke in the wheel. I was training trainers instead of facilitating everything, which led me to the ability of giving myself more space mm-hmm. so that I could do more things in my life that equaled happiness. Mm-hmm. That's that very really smart. Cool. It's really smart that you did that because so many people Oh, I see. So did you do that before or after you hit burnout or was after? So afterwards you're coming out of it and you're like, I can't do that. I can't do that again. Yeah. So, okay. Because a lot of people, a lot of people for whatever reason, I don't know why we're designed this way, Carrie, but for whatever reason, once we get on that um, success train, you know, it's, it's so hard to get off and people don't even realize 
that they're actually killing themselves uh, by, by trying to go for that success and replicating it and replicating it and replicating it. They don't even realize that they're, that they're burning out, that their body cannot sustain that kind of a thing. We're, we're not even really made to do it that way. Right. For, and now um, looking back at, you know, I've built several businesses. I've reached, I've reached certain things in my life. Now I look at, and there's, I don't want to, I don't, I can't do it that way again. So now it's, there's a lot more play in my life. There's a lot more feminine energy in my day to day. Um, I start my day in meditation. I um, am prayer. Um, there's always movement in my day. And if I'm sitting too long or I'm, I'm doing something once I feel I can actually recognize the feeling now where I'm like, this is being forced and this Mm -hmm. is not going to have the results Mm -hmm. I want. I know to stop and it's counter. It looks counterintuitive. Um, when I'm just like laying on the couch or my husband will walk in and he catches me in like meditation or I'm napping in the middle of the afternoon. I can only think like what he's thinking because he's a go, 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 go guy, you know? Um, but it's so healthy for me to recognize what works and what doesn't work to get what, to manifest the things I really want to manifest and to make the impact I really want to impact make. It can't happen the way I used to do it. Yeah. I, you know, and I would suggest you, I mean, you use the phrase counterintuitive, and I would suggest that really it is intuitive. That's exactly what it yeah, is. that's true. Listening that's true. To your, totally. Listening to your intuition, yep. listening, following the, the cues, because when we're in that kind of um, needing to be successful, are successful, replicating that success, we stop listening to our intuition, mm-hmm. you know? So it, so for you to, to really come full circle back into the truth of who you are, you are, which is enough. Right. Right. And, and then, uh, listen the way you're listening is, is that right there is a a template for so many people. If they could follow that, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of similar to what you just described. I will, I do my meditations and journaling and my husband comes downstairs and gets himself a cup of coffee and everything's so quiet. And then he's like, you know, and, I take a lot of time during the day to just be still or quiet. And I take afternoon naps now. I'm like, there is nothing more important than if I'm feeling tired, I'm just going to go lay this body down for 20 minutes or two hours. It depends because then uh, my brain has a time to integrate my, whatever spiritual energy that's running through me that downloads, you know, upgrades, that are happening. It, I, I'm giving my body space, the physical body space, so that my mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies can sync up. Totally. And and I know, like you said, it probably looks like I'm not doing anything, but you know what? It's the it gives my it's just what my body needs right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. My book launched um, May 24th, and the next day I took a two hour nap, and in the middle of the afternoon, I did not anticipate it. I didn't see it coming. I didn't think I needed it, but I laid down and I did a meditation and I woke up and I was like, wow, (laughs) (laughs) that was much longer. And then I didn't think, I didn't think anything of it. I just sort of laughed it off and went about my day. And, um, yeah, it's, um, so reshaping success really was a, a key turning point for me of being able to recognize how to unhook myself from external validation 
and plug back into how to feel good about my day, how to feel good about myself and see myself as enough as a professional woman. So let me ask you, uh, just for our listeners, give us one or two things we could do to unplug from the external validation. Well, um, when we don't get a client or we get a no, we think I'm not good enough or I didn't have it um, instead of um, recognizing somebody else's stuff or uh, and not being a good fit. Um, we always think, why not? And um, instead, I, you know, I would every time, regardless of yes or no, I would turn, put down the phone and I would actually give myself a little dance party. Again, dancing is a really big thing for me. So I'd give myself a little dance party, just kind of shake the energy and move. And, um, if it was a no, it was like, all right, God, give me, bring in the next one, bring in the one that is um, even better and more, you know, um, more of my yeses with ease and grace. Right. I was trying to flip it. Right. Right. And that goes, and that goes the, so, so what you're doing, if I may, Mm -hmm. is in, when you're hearing a no, this is what I heard you say, which for many people knows, make you feel like you're not enough. Yeah. So that, that you're already again, flipping the enough word from lack to abundance by Mm -hmm. saying, you know what, if not this something better, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did that. I did that a lot. And, um, understanding that typically our definition of success has been something passed down for us that we have to work hard for it, that it's related to money, um, that it's related to family circumstances or, you know, how many good kids we have or things like that. It, and the plaques on the wall, the awards, things like that, where, um, if we weren't, if we were programmed with that, that stuff that was passed down from family or teachers or colleges, I mean, it's everywhere really. Right. Um, have you ever really stopped to question what success means to you? That was really something I had to journal a lot on is why does it mean this? Why can't it mean that? Who says it can't, right? Who says it can't mean just having fun throughout the day? I actually said that once when I was with a, I was still with, you know, the nonprofit that I created and a donor asked me how I, how I measure our success. And I related it to the number of lives we impacted versus the amount of money we had. And, um, we didn't get funding as a result of that. He really wanted success for, uh, for him meant that I was going to take his money and do X, Y, and Z with it. And, um, I, I actually walked away from that meeting knowing he wasn't going to give it to us because we weren't what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it was closer to my burnout and I knew that, you know what, this isn't for me that this, something has to change. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny when you're talking about stuff being passed down by the family, because one of the daily dues I had was um, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. Oh yeah. Right. So, so and I think many people have that, you know, I, I, I've worked with a couple of clients where, no, I have to do it because the, these people don't under, understand how to get it done. Right. And then if I don't 
if I don't do it, I'm cleaning up after them. And I used to be that way until I got a team. And then with my team, and I have fabulous people supporting my work, I allowed them to be their best selves. You know, right. I, I allowed them to bring their creative uh, input in and we work together. It, it, it's not me doing it by myself anymore. And I would get so exhausted all the time and burn out multiple times because I was doing too much myself. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what, uh, uh, you know, it, it goes back to your book, unapologetically enough because I found myself saying, Oh, I'm really sorry. I'm asking you to do this. Do you mind doing this? But I, I, you know what, if I can do it, I'll do it myself. Right. Ridiculous. And I think lots of women have that story going on. Yeah. They don't want to release control of it or they, the perfectionism of it, or um, they're worried that they're going to, somebody else is going to um, not present it in a way that they personally would be presented with. Right. Yeah, totally. But also there's the other, there's an, another piece of that is if I do it myself, I'm the one that gets the recognition. Yeah. I was going to say that too, that someone was going to take credit for it. I was work. waiting for you to say it because I, in organizations I've worked in, I've seen that with women, Yes, um, you know, where it's, and I think that's because Me so too. many women have not been seen and heard that when there's an opportunity to step into the limelight, they want it all. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they don't want, they want everybody else in the wings so they can be in the spotlight. And, um, and it's fascinating when that dynamic starts to play out in a group. Yeah. I've been in big groups with women. And one of the reasons, um, I started playing with this idea of this particular, this particular book was everything I've been about has been about elevating the female voice out, changing the way society views women, women treat women, girls treat girls. I've done everything in my career has been over the last, I'd say 15 years has really revolved around this space. Um, when I first started down my road of spiritual awakening, I was 28 and I was working with a coach and I was unhappy in my job at the time. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I wasn't being recognized by the women I was working with. And one of the things that we focused on was really on um, pulling back my power mm. of needing the validation from these external people. And every one of the, my assignments at the time was every time I felt unseen to find a way to thank somebody around me. So it was almost like um, the smallest thing. Oh, thank you so much for handing me, you know, my thing off the printer or, uh, thank you so much for holding the elevator. Like it, I gave out validation or out praise. Um, and it started to become fun. It, like I, I could really feel that. I could really feel the shift mm-hmm. within me mm-hmm. and the, I no longer expected validation or needed validation. And I had pulled my power back just by flipping that around. But it is, it is sad that um, when you get a group of women together, it's almost as if, if we haven't had personal development training, if we haven't had changes in our mindsets, um, we're, we're much harder to one another because we're so hard on ourselves and we can't, we can't see each other's journeys as independent or, um, you know, beautiful, unique alone. Well, an individual, our individual journeys ultimately really do contribute to the whole. And, yeah. and to witness that 
for and with each other ultimately creates healing, which is what I think so many women now are standing up and speaking up because they're recognizing that, hey, my journey has meaning, your journey has meaning. Yes, and, and together we become stronger as opposed to uh, in a divisive stance. Yeah. And, and we've all been trained to be in a divisive stance as opposed to a unified whole, which mm -hmm. that's the truth of our being is we're totally. all whole and unified and connected. So this is why it's important. Uh, all this work that you you've done, Carrie is it's important for people to, to um, read your story so that they can see that. I, I often think about this, you know, it, I can do that too. If, if you, if she can do that, then I can do that too. <laughs> Somehow. Right. I love it. No, that's totally great. That's excellent. Uh, absolutely. Why I've done what I've done. So unapologetically enough, took me eight years to put out into the world. Um, and it's shifted so many times. I rewrote, I rewrote it four times. Um, and had it, had I found a way to put it out into the world when I first wrote it years ago, I don't think it would have landed the way that it's going to land now. Yeah. And I'm grateful. It was, the world was not in a place where it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's amazing how drastically different things are right now even yeah. though they look kind of the same, right? You turn yeah. on the news and you're like, oh, it's the same old shit, but it's not, it's drastically different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the um, re uh, reshaping self-love. Yeah. So did you grow up loving yourself? No, I was bullied as a kid. I had low self-esteem as a kid. Um, I was very hard on my physical body and- uh, I took on a lot of other people's stuff. I wasn't, I, I'm and, raising my hand, Carrie. Oh, yeah. yep. 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 All of it. Go on. Uh, I talk about this in the book as an empath. Like I didn't recognize or even know what that meant until I was 20, 28 and then learning how to, you know, um, control my energy, um, work with my intuition. All of that came in my thirties. Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't know how to love myself when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm similar. I, I didn't know. And I didn't know that I didn't love myself. I was constantly making lists of self-improvement, you know, at the age of six, seven, yeah. eight, you know, I, and that, and that was family of origin stuff passed down. Plus, uh, being told I can't, uh, I can't do the things I do, which was empathic feelings, you know, feeling actually Claire's, you know, being yeah. very clairvoyant. And I was told at probably age three, you know, you can't do that. Don't do that. Okay, mom. Right. Yeah. Yep. And, and then time goes on and you're still doing the behavior that, you know, to make your mother happy. Hello. That's I, me. I'm talking about me, not you. <laughs> I told my brother when I was a kid, I saw, I saw things and it was like, you're crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I must be crazy. I shouldn't say that anymore. And so I like totally shut down that side of my abilities mm -hmm. um, and started to really bring them back in my, uh, in my thirties. And since then intuition has played a major role in everything I do. Um, I talk a lot, of, I talk a lot about it in the book. And I think 
I journaling has been such a huge part of how I connect with my intuition in the beginning. Now it does, now it's not necessarily, I don't need to write it down in order to feel something or kind of get that spark. But in in the beginning, I really did. Um, but reshaping, so self-love the, that journey started after I burned out and I found my happy place again. And I, one of the things I brought back into my life was dating because I was completely absorbed by my career. I, that became my identity. How people saw me was hundred percent related to my business. And, um, I was in my late thirties, uh, single and was tired of being the, like the woman who only had her business. Uh, so I started, uh, putting myself out there and felt very happy and healthy and ended up on a date one night with this guy that was like, Oh, you're too old to get married and have kids. Uh, so that's how I ended up down this IVF path. I, Oh dear. Um, I moved from a place of fear, right. Of like, what if that story is true? His, his thing, right. Um, empathics. I just want to tell everybody empathics do tend to do that. We move. Yeah. We'll pick up somebody else's story and start make it our own, right. Make it our own and live that. And it, it took me years to understand that that was some of why I was living an unhappy life because I was living all these false pretenses that had been put on me by other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you didn't even, did you see that guy again? No, actually, um, when he said it, it was, uh, I've had this experience happen a couple of times where it was literally like a fog hung in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I recognize it as your stuff. I'm going to leave. Um, but it still seeped its way in and it still made me feel bad. And I actually was I'm in a international writing group and I posted in the writing group that night and I was like, ladies, listen to this. I'm so tired of being told that like, um, as a late 30 something year old woman who runs her own business, I'm always, I was always asked, why don't you have kids? Why aren't you married? And, and I say, I was asked so many times that I could have laminated a response and just sort of like handed it out like business cards. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so I decided to write about that particular experience. Uh, I got it into red book and Marie Claire and Cosmo picked it up. And, um, the response from that, from women around the world was very telling that a lot of generational ex women are put in this category of, Oh, you're too late to do this. You ran after your career. You missed your opportunity. Um, so I moved from a place of fear. I did go down this journey. I try to preserve my fertility make a plan B and a plan C in the event, uh, you know, somebody I ended up with couldn't have kids and, you know, whatever it didn't work. And for, you know, when you move from a place of fear, stuff tends to not pan out and it didn't, I ended up very sick. So the self reshaping self love legitimately started from that place of the bottom again, burning out on a personal level, breaking my body and having to heal myself from the inside out Um, and that's really where the unhooking myself of, you know, even though I don't have my own children, even though I wasn't married at the time, I am enough of a woman period. I don't need your approval of me, um, in order to love myself. Right. So, um, so I can, 
I, I am so grateful, Carrie, that you're sharing this because there's so many women out there that are having this some sort of yeah. iteration of this experience. And, mm-hmm. um, and I just want to let everybody who's listening know that that paradigm of um, if you're a woman, you should have kids. If you're a woman, you should be married. Um, if, if you're a woman, you should be staying home with your children. All of that is a very old paradigm that has died and we're watching the dregs of it mm-hmm. drift away. Well, drifting away would be nice, but we're watching them actually kind of, they're hanging out and composting right now, everybody. But once it gets composted enough, then the, the, the real truth for women individually and collectively can surface. All of that is a very um, century old mm-hmm. masculine paradigm um, that worked for a little while because somebody had to stay home with the kids, you know, when the other person's going out hunting the saber tooth, but eventually it, it did not work. And it became a place of subjugation of women, making them the lesser than because they're going to stay home. They're going to have the babies and stay home. And the man gets to go out in the world and interface with people. So mm-hmm. I just want everybody to know that this is, And staying home with children, which is what I ended up doing with my son, uh, staying home is also a a, a good thing. Just like Kara's experience um, illustrates, do it for yourself. Don't do it because it's expected of you and there's a cultural bias towards it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes. The reshaping self-love really had to start from that space of, um, accepting my own enoughness from that piece of like accepting that I did move from a place of fear. I, I did this, I put myself through this and it's okay to, I forgave myself for those acts. It didn't change the fact that I was still my late thirties and, um, single and, you know, without my own kids at the time. So really accepting my own enoughness in that space was how I started to heal self myself. Um, But what I realized in that space was that the majority of the things I did were acts of self-care to move me into state of being. And and the self-love was the state of being I was always looking to go to. I was always looking to feel that like sparkly, um, peaceful sigh of relief all the time. And I would just throw money at it. I would, you know, pampering myself or buying the extra thing or getting the extra thing. And, um, I didn't ever equate self-care as an act and self-love as the state of being until I was in that space of like massive healing. And so I really, that's what the reshaping looks like for me. Mm -hmm. And I love that you uh, just described that because you got to start somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. You, you don't eat, you don't, immediately drop into self-love it it, especially if you've been you know pushed around by life a little bit you know it it takes it takes steps to get there and and self-care is a really good way to begin to get there and when when you feel good physically and mentally and emotionally then there's the opportunity to recognize well i really i really do love myself right now i am being in love with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, 
for everybody that's listening, it's a great experience. So Carrie's book is called Unapologetically Enough, Reshaping Success and Self-Love. And Carrie, where can they get the book? Anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Target.com, Walmart. And do you have a a website for people to look at? Yep. Unapologeticallyenough.com. Unapologeticallyenough.com. Carrie, thanks so much for joining me today and sharing the <laughs> story. You. And I, I appreciate again, it. Again, we start, I started with chills. Yeah. And I've got chills. It's just awesome. I, I it's your it's your effervescent rose gold bubbly light. Thank you for sharing it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I'm just gonna end with, and so it is. Namaste. So it is. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at Susan at SusanMorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.